You're listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. We've been talking about our series uh, through the habits of grace. Uh, maybe at some churches you've heard it mentioned as spiritual disciplines or devotional practices that you do. We call them the habits of grace because we believe these are not things that are do's and don'ts that just help you grow in your faith or that, that, that in some way you think you're finding more favor or love with God. That's not what we're saying. These are things that God has given to us graciously to make us become more of the human being that we're made to be in our deeper relationship than we currently are with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so we've talked about a couple of things like Bible, uh, read your Bible, and praying. The next few habits may not be as obvious as those. Uh, and so uh, the one we're going to talk about today is one of those, and that's the idea of worship. And it really has to do with questions that people ask either out loud or to me, or that people ask themselves all the time. Questions like, does it really matter to go to church? Uh, can't I worship anywhere? Or maybe even, can I just worship at home every Sunday, watching service on TV? Why is it better in what we do here of not just staying in your pajamas and watching it on TV? What's the point of worship is really the deeper question it's tied into. And what's the purpose of getting together for worship in the first place? These are the questions that we're going to talk about today. So let's look at our verses for today that we have. If you have your Bible, uh, there are going to be several different verses that you would need to turn to. Uh, Acts 2.42, Hebrews 10.25, and Colossians 3.16. If you do not have your Bibles, uh, then you can, as always, look at the order of worship. And it has our scripture verses in there. The first verse is uh, from Acts. It's talking about the early church. Like the, the church from right after Jesus left the early church, it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and prayers. Hebrews says, we are not to neglect meeting together is as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And then Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing admonishing another another in all wisdom, singing songs, hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, now for a few moments today, uh, turn our attention to your words. Uh, not just my words, but your words, uh, that you would make whatever changes we need to make in our lives uh, that would help us to love you more and those around us even deeper. Uh, help us just to examine this idea of worship. And um, as we look at this, Lord, help us to understand what you would like to see in worship, not just what we would desire in worship. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, over the last few years, uh, with the rise of the COVID, uh, COVID pandemic, people struggled uh, a lot with the idea of church in a way that they haven't in a while. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, for times in the past, people have said uh, that we need to meet for public worship in the church uh, because it's that moment where we, as the people of God, 
come together in community uh, and communion, give praise to God and glory to God. It's a time for celebration, renewal, faith, and hope. And pastors, up until just a few years ago, were always talking about the idea of, of trying to get people to come to church, or even as we've seen before, making people guilty, feel guilty when they don't come to church. But needless to say, with the closure of the churches that we had in the last uh, few years, because of the pandemic, uh, it became a plea to say, join us on Facebook or, or, or on YouTube or in some kind of electronic way or other platforms. And while it's significant to recognize the importance of gathering to worship, the pandemic kind of forced us, even, even in our church and congregation, of maybe rethinking how do we gather and why do we gather? Are there other ways to gather outside of physically like we're talking about right now? But here's the thing, one of the highlights for me in the whole time that I've been a part of this church plant uh, as a pastor happened to me right in the middle of the chaotic craziness of the COVID outbreak. When we had to shut down our meetings here at the school because the Shelby County Board said, y'all can't meet here. Uh, and of course, we're meeting in middle school. We turned to videotaping our, resource, our, 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 our sermons and services remotely uh, we were doing what we could to keep people connected, but you, the people in this room, you said that the congregation here, it's not enough. You said we miss meeting corporately uh, together. Not only that, people told me you need, we need to get together as a church community. And so we begin to get creative, if you remember, uh, meeting in the Graves Barn. Uh, taking precautions every time we could, but trying to get creative in whatever way we, we, we could do it. Because our church family, not just me, it was driven by our church family, whether they could tell you the specific reasons, knew there was something missing that they could not get from a video screen. Which brings us to our topic today on worship and transformation. We're gonna look at two points, I mean three points, and they're in the, in the order of worship. We're gonna talk about corporate worship, means uh, meeting together as a group. We're going to talk about imperative worship means important and then transformative worship. What is it about worship that transforms us and why would we even say that it's a habit of grace that God uses in a big way in our, our lives? So, um, so let's look at our, our first uh, point here, corporate worship. It says here about the, the, apostles, uh, the, the people in the early church, it says they devoted themselves in our verse here to the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. You ever, you ever think about this and wonder what did the church look like 2,000 years ago? You know, obviously there's a lot of differences that we would have in this room and our facility and all those things. And a lot of the churches during the day had to, were forced underground. But one thing we do know, uh, here's a great snapshot of it, is they devoted themselves to several things. One was the apostles' teaching. They already knew the Old Testament story really well. And now it was necessary for the apostles to come along and share with them how everything that they've seen in Scripture so far was pointing to Jesus who had been in their midst. And this is a new thing for them, so they were, they were devoting themselves to that. These were the closest people to Jesus. And by the way, this is why we say Apostles' Creed almost every week. Because it's a summary of something we're passing down. We're devoted to the apostles' teaching. Why? Because the apostles' teachings were Jesus' teaching and about Jesus. Second, it says they devoted themselves to fellowship. Basically, it's not just within the church, but they would get together and enjoy themselves. 
Sometimes we as followers of Jesus, we feel like we're doing something wrong in a church or substandard. If we just get together for a party without having a Bible study or a prayer, you probably see this more in other churches you do ours, our people tend to not worry about getting together and party and not having a Bible study. Um, but for me, the most recent men's gathering, we had 35 folks or so. And most of these people were, were from outside our church. And they kept asking me the same question. They said, so if you're not going to try and talk me into going to church, and you're not going to preach to me while I'm here, why are you doing this? And it's like they couldn't get over it. Almost everybody there asked me several times. And I tell them, listen, here's why. We minister to one another and the people around us and build each other up sometimes by just being together and fellowshipping together and loving on each other in that way. God has created good times of play as long as hard times of suffering. And all these things create a sense of community that's fundamental and core to his, his kingdom. And the third thing you see here, which you're not... Uh, it's not a surprise, is the believers devoting themselves to the breaking of bread. Uh, this phrase here uh, can have two different meanings. One is just getting together and sharing a meal. But more than that, every chance they had as a, as a church, they saw communion as a prize thing. They, they saw it as a privilege, and they took every opportunity at Jesus, to, to, to be together at Jesus' table. This is why we, communion is so important at our church. This is why we do it every week. I mean, the things we're talking about here that we do, this is not something that we came up with that would just be nice. These things are patterned after the things we talk about uh, in this section here in the Bible. And then four, it says they devote themselves to prayer. We talked about prayer a lot last week. If you missed that sermon, you can go back and listen to them. But these are the dimensions of the early church and the early church practices. And this is what we model our church after. But let's look at the second point, imperative worship. Uh, that, that, we're commanded to worship. It says, uh, verse 25, do not neglect communing together as if the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Here's the thing. When we get together every Sunday, whether you realize it or not, we are encouraging one another. And the believers in this church are motivated to keep the faith and hold tight to it for the week to come. Everyone in this room uh, probably has a story at some point in your life, uh, and maybe more often than, than, than not, of coming alongside of someone that has, that has been struggling or in pain or in sickness and death. Uh, whether you've been through there, someone going for addiction or cancer or depression, or maybe you kept taking those desperate phone calls for someone that has been there in, in their darkest hour. Or maybe you've been along the side of a, a hospital bed where it felt like eternity for someone that needed you or even that you didn't think was going to make it. Or maybe a friend or a family member that, that you sat beside while they cried their eyes out, just being there for them and listening to them. Or maybe they did the same for you. See, this space of coming alongside other people in that way is sacred space. And believe it or not, it has everything to do with this passage here. It has everything to do with the phrase, not neglecting meaning together, but encouraging one another. Any given Sunday, and y'all know this for the most part, people walk in here, including me and Larissa, and they, we have no idea what they've been through that week. 
as a pastor, sometimes I know maybe a little more than you do, but we just don't know what their week is like. Maybe they're tired, worn out. Maybe they got fired. Maybe they're struggling relationally, financially. Maybe they're hurting, lonely, depressed. Maybe they thought about ending their life this week. Maybe they are losing hope, losing faith, and maybe they're thinking, this may be my last week here at the church. We just don't know. But here's what we do know. Faith and hope and love, these are not one-time decisions. They're things that need to be uh, encouraged in our lives and cultivated by other people that believe the way we do and that love us in spite of who we are. And this is one of the main reasons we meet. Uh, what this verse is talking about, believe it or not, uh, this is one of the main reasons we should continue to show up. Please keep that in mind every week with everybody you see uh, in this church. Uh, that's a powerful thing. Let's go to the last point. Let's talk about transformative worship. We kind of talked about the idea of meeting together like the apostles did. We also talked about the idea of the power of community. But the last one, what is it about worship more than just loving on each other, encouraging each other, that transforms our lives in a way that we can't imagine? Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart toward God. Now, obviously, worship, especially singing, uh, is key characteristic in our church service. And a lot of times we don't think a lot of what goes into worship music in a church. Uh, we usually just come to churches, and we've all done this before, and we just really think in terms of what we like about the service or we don't like about the service, or are they going to sing a song that I like, uh, what song I like and don't like. That's how we think most of the time. But this verse challenges us just a bit to think in terms of maybe what's best for us to have us ask what honors God through this. Or maybe what should be the components of a worship service that actually transforms me and doesn't just entertain me? What are the aspects of a worship service that doesn't just move you emotionally but, and doesn't just make you feel good inside but actually changes you forever? Well, see, the first component that we see here in this worship uh, diagnostic here in this verse talks about the, the Word. Uh, it says the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, uh, teaching and admonishing uh, one another in wisdom. First of all, this is why preaching is so important as a part of our worship service. You don't uh, need a preacher telling you his opinions and what he hopes and wants to be true. You don't need that in your life. Uh, but one that explains the Word of God first and foremost, and when I stop doing this, call for my resignation. The second thing is the whole service, including music, should be grounded in the Word of God. Just not the preaching, but the whole service in the Word of God. Well, what we do at the communion should be grounded in the Word of God. Now, and I can't tell you how many worship songs I've heard in the last few decades that were more about how I should feel about God than actually about who God is. Um, Larissa gets mad at me sometimes. I call these Jesus is my girlfriend songs. Um, because you can take out Jesus' name, put your girlfriend in, and sing the same lyrics. Have you ever heard of that song? So anyway, just, just a thought. Uh, but he, uh, but one of the things, it, it, they go on, it goes on here saying, uh, goes on to clarify singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So what kind of songs are we talking about? 
solid songs, Bible verse songs. Uh, why? Not because we don't like praise courses, but we're talking about the idea that the songs that we sing are matter, matter about this because they move us outside of ourselves to focus on God, and that's the only person that can change us. Meaning, if you come in here and you worship with her, if you're in the exact same emotional state that you were when you came in, there's a problem there. Uh, and so we're talking about something like what is the thing that's going to move you outside of yourself and change you? And that's got to be a bigger picture of God the Father, and the, uh, I mean, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, look at this next section. It says, Thanks for thank, uh, with thankfulness in your heart. This has to do with celebration. Uh, and we know this. We talk about this all the time. That in the midst of a tough, suffering, broken world, we can come in here uh, and we can celebrate in spite of that, knowing this is not the end of the story. This is not the end of my story. There's grace, hope, faith, all those to be had in our lives. And then the last phrase with the idea of worship is with one another. And this is the idea that we all have def you know, design deficiencies in our life. We come in here with, with empty spaces, um, broken pieces, and God uses other people in a way. It's kind of like Larissa. She makes God's love real to me in a tangible way that I can't experience maybe anywhere else. Well, the same thing should happen for the church. That these the people around you, the way they care for you and love you, are tangible reminders of God's love for you. Uh, this community uh, uh, of Chelsea Press should be making God's love real for us. Why? Because we're built with face-to-face -face, for face-to-face -face relationships. We just are. Now, uh, let me let me end here with this. Uh, let's remember this. Without the presence of God, there can be no worship. Because what are you responding to? If you don't see a bigger picture of God, are you responding to something that I said or uh, in, a, in a clever way or something that Chris and Valerie, uh, they, they, they've done in a, you know, a, a certain way, maybe a chord progression or something like that? If you don't see God, like what are you worshiping? What are you responding to in that? See, the primary activity during worship is to listen to and to speak back to God, not only in the proclamation of the word, but in the hymns and the songs and the elements uh, of the worship service. We don't just uh, hear him through the word, but the whole environment that we in should speak of his presence. We should see God at the table over here and at the table here. We should see God when we're looking at the Bible. We should see God when we're hearing those things. Because if not, then no worship is really going to occur. And when that happens, if we do see God, we're refreshed, we're renewed, we're transformed. It's like when we spend time with a friend uh, or a family member, someone that heals our heart when we spend time with them, fills our bucket, brings us back to life. Because time with and focus on God the Father and the Son uh, 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 and the Holy Spirit bring us back to life and into a relationship as we enter a worship service, a relationship that we might have forgotten about this week. Uh, reminding us how much they love us. Uh, and how much they, uh, we love them. Remind us that our pain and our drama and struggles and trauma and shame and guilt are all temporary. Bring us to a place where we can experience faith and hope and love and forgiveness and healing. Because this is the only place we can experience that. Because of what the Father did through Jesus Christ on the cross. This is the thing we need to rest on this morning. Celebrate that freedom as we enter a time of communion and hopefully see 
a picture of who Jesus is at that table. Let's pray. Father, I thank you uh, for these verses today that remind us that uh, so many times we need to look outside of ourselves, uh, look outside of our preferences, outside of our emotions, outside of what we think life should be like and what we think you should be like. Help us to get a realistic picture because the picture of really who you are and what you can do in our lives is far better than anything we can imagine. Help us to study your word. Help us to, to pursue you, to find out more about you so our worship can be a little more rich and our prayers can be a little deeper. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.